This is KBOX Heart of the Arts podcast. I'm Greg Kustraba. The Phoenix Chamber Music Society brings in the Isidore Quartet Saturday evening, February 10th at 7.30 at Central United Methodist Church in Phoenix. Devin Moore is the violist in the quartet, and he's on the phone from Amsterdam. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Tell us a little bit about your quartet. Uh, when did you get started, and why did you get started? We all met at slightly different times. I met Adrian and Josh at the Aspen Music Festival in 2018. I was currently studying at the Manhattan School of Music. I just finished my first year of undergrad, and they were about to start their freshman year at Juilliard. We bonded at the festival and also knew that we were going to be in the same city together. And so we just, you know, decided to read together on the weekends. I would constantly take the train down from MSM to Juilliard to play some chamber music with them when I had the opportunity. And that's how I met Phoenix. And so the four of us really started to bond as a group in New York around 2019, I would say. And I eventually transferred from MSM to Juilliard so I could start working with uh, them. And we studied with some incredible faculty members for about six months before we were sent home due to the pandemic. We had a bit of a rocky start as we didn't get a lot of uh, formative early time together, but we reconvened in 2021 at a summer festival. And that's when we really started pursuing the quartet as a serious ensemble or entity, really. Now, that shows a lot of resilience. You barely get started, and then suddenly you have to quit for something that's totally out of your control. You must have really mm-hmm. enjoyed working with these musicians to, to make sure that you continued. Yeah, absolutely. I think we bonded from the start. We all loved chamber music, but you know, some of us were preparing for orchestra auditions and solo competitions and things like that. So I think the the break was actually a chance for everybody to recognize that chamber music was a real priority. And so when we did reconvene, it felt like we were all oriented in the same direction. So I think the break was actually, in the end, there was a silver lining to it. Now, how does a quartet get from a student group to become a professional? Did you enter competitions? Did you get performances around New York City? How did that all happen? When application season rolled around, this is fall of 2021, we decided to apply to a few festivals and competitions. We were fortunate to attend the Rubinia Staines Music Institute right outside of Chicago the following summer. So we knew we were going to a festival. And the BAMP competition, which in the string quartet world is sort of, you know, hailed as like the Olympics of string quartets, happens every three years. And this happened to be an application year. The competition was held in September of 2022. So we had barely just enough repertoire and also had sort of been an ensemble for long enough, but we had great teachers and we worked really hard. And so we sort of just, again, threw our hat into the ring and sent in an application for that particular competition. And we heard back that we had been admitted to the competition. They take 10 quartets from all over the world. And so that was both exciting and absolutely terrifying uh, (laughs) because we didn't have the experience together, even though we had, you know, bonded quickly and were able to play well enough to make it into the competition. 
we prepared for that and worked tirelessly and endlessly. It was wonderful to get a chance to do a festival beforehand. We lived in a house together for five weeks, and I'm pretty sure we rehearsed at least eight hours a day. And then we get to Banff, and it's it's a bit hazy even to think about it because it's you watch you grow up watching your favorite string quartets competing, and so being able to be there was an out of body experience. But Banff in particular is special because they treat it much more like a string quartet festival than a competition. Every quartet plays almost every round. So you really get to showcase your artistry, which is unique for competitions. And we went through that process. We made it to the finals, which is a Beethoven quartet. And after the finals, when they announced the winners, it was sort of, that's where the blackout ensued. Um, it was kind of a, a dream come true to to win that competition. Never would have expected that months before sort of just getting back together. In terms of what kind of repertoire you choose, there's so much going mm-hmm. from Haydn all the way up to a piece from 2012 that you're playing by Billy Childs on the program in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Do you specialize in particular areas or do you just have to cast a wide as net as possible? One of our musical priorities that we somewhat adopted from the Juilliard String Quartet and made it our own in a way is to treat old music like it's new and new music like it's old. Some quartets specialize, which I think is a valid, you know, sort of path for an ensemble. But for us, we all have such drastically different cultural and musical backgrounds and have a lot of different interests. And so we do cast that wide net when it comes to repertoire and we treat each piece, regardless if it was written yesterday or 300 years ago, with the same type of respect and curiosity. And we try to bring our voice and our perspective to whatever piece is in front of us. And oftentimes, the gems lie between the connections of Haydn and Billy Childs or Beethoven and uh, a modern piece. Speaking of Haydn and Billy Childs, you got both of them on the program, plus one of the late Beethoven quartets. Let's start off with mm-hmm. the Haydn, right? That's the second of the Sun Quartets, the famous cover with the sun on it. What attracted you to this mm-hmm. particular piece? Opus 20, number two, for me, was actually one of the first pieces I ever played on viola when I switched from playing violin. And the thing that I loved about it is that right from the start, it starts with the cello solo and the viola gets to be the bass line. Within the first few seconds, you're understanding how Haydn is playing with the idea of the string quartet. For the time, it was kind of revolutionary to have all of the expected roles of the first violin with the melodic line and the cello with the bass line to be flipped from the start. And then once I dove deeper into the work, it's kind of in its own way, a mini labyrinth. The second movement is itself an opera. It sounds like it's crafted from an uh, an aria of an Italian opera a hundred years later or so. And the fugue uh, at the end that stays sotto voce for 80% of it, it's like um, four friends whispering inside jokes to one another. Um, This piece was just, you know, it's everything you love about string quartet and about connection. We sort of call it the awakening of the string quartet in a way, because Haydn really established what you can do with these four instruments and four individuals. Now, you'd start with the awakening of the string quartet, as you said. Then you move to the Billy Child's Mm -hmm. string quartet number two, which is subtitled Awakening. 
This is a very personal mm -hmm. autobiographical piece. I had the privilege of getting to know Billy during the pandemic. I started a nonprofit with one of my colleagues that was focused on uplifting um, underrepresented um, composers within the classical music realm, uh, whether based on ethnicity, uh, gender expression, etc. And we were working on a quasi-documentary recording, and we flew out to Los Angeles as soon as we were able to get vaccinated to meet Billy at his home and speak to him about some of the pieces that we were planning to record for this documentary. I was aware of Billy not only as a five-time Grammy award-winning jazz pianist, but also now an extensive classical music expert with a myriad of absolutely incredible hidden gems for string quartet and other ensembles. And so when the competition for Banff was rolling around and we had to pick repertoire, the first round is a Haydn quartet that gets paired with a 21st century work. And that's the first thing you play there. And immediately, Billy's second string quartet came to mind, titled Awakening. Uh, I loved that connection between the Haydn, the awakening of the string quartet with this piece. This work is in three movements and it details a somewhat traumatic event in Billy's life. His wife had suffered a pulmonary embolism and I believe he was working out of state and she was in Los Angeles. And so as soon as he got the phone call, he flew back to Los Angeles to the hospital. And this first movement is titled Wake Up Call. To exemplify that sense of panic and anxiety, Billy really utilizes various techniques amongst the quartet. There's Bartok pizzicatos, there's these eerie glissandos, you can hear the beeping of the phone call. The tempo is marked quarter note equals 170 comma or as fast as playable. And so you can imagine that there's this fury right out of the gate. I don't think I've ever played so many notes uh, in such a short amount of time with this first movement. And then there's this beautiful moment of reflection in the middle. It's sort of a, an out-of-body experience for a few seconds before you're rushed back into this uh, anxious fury. The second movement is titled The White Room, and Billy vividly paints a picture of what it feels like to be in a hospital room with that sense of the helplessness. Again, he's he really uses this ensemble in a programmatic, uh, picturesque way. You can hear the beeping of the hospital machines and the textures of the strings really create this almost inhumane environment. And then that's juxtaposed by these two cadenzas in the viola and the violin in the middle of the movement that are these outbursts of emotion. And then the third movement, which is my personal favorite, is called Song of Healing. And that's exactly what it is. It is a sort of ode to reconciliation. It starts with a viola solo, so maybe that's why it's my favorite. But there's this lullaby-esque rhythm that pervades the movement. In the middle, there is a gorgeous conversation between the first violin and cello that represents that conversation of reconciliation between Billy and his wife. There is a happy ending to the story. She does end up being okay. But the working through traumatic experiences with a partner, even if the outcome is positive, is something that takes time and effort and communication. And so this entire quartet tracks not only the actual events, but again, getting deeper 
the ideas of communication, the idea of anxiety juxtaposed with calm, he combines the sound worlds of classical and jazz. And so pairing it with the Haydn was sort of a no-brainer in the end. The second half of your program, Devin, is a piece that you mentioned working through traumatic experiences. I think Beethoven is probably doing that to some degree in his quartet, Opus 132. Yes. So the final puzzle piece to our awakening program, essentially, is the awakening of the spirit, which is very evident with Beethoven's Opus 132. When we were putting together this program, the sort of gem movement of 132 is the middle movement, the Heilige Dankesang. Beethoven at the time was suffering from a near-fatal illness, and this movement is his sort of thanks to God or the universe um, after he comes out of that illness and is well again. And so there's this sense of reawakening almost, or an awakening to how beautiful life can be when it's almost been stripped away. And so that with the dealing with traumatic experience, um, you have this stormy first movement, this stormy last movement, and this element of play in the middle movements as well, movement two and movement four, that connect so beautifully to the world of Billy Childs and the world of Haydn. There's not much better than a late Beethoven quartet, and this one is unbelievably special and experienced yet youthful at heart. And so it it really encapsulates, again, so much about what we love from string quartets and from chamber music. And having all three pieces craft that arc together provides a well-rounded and catered experience to an audience. Yeah, very thoughtfully, very thoughtfully put together. Devin Moore, we're excited to have you here. The Isidore String Quartet performing at Central United Methodist Church in Phoenix Saturday evening, February 10th at 7.30. They're presented by the Phoenix Chamber Music Society. Devin Moore, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Safe travels and hope to see you here in Phoenix. Thanks so much. I'm looking forward to it. For the KBOC Heart of the Arts podcast, I'm Greg Kostraba.